thank you that there will be breakthrough and there will be victory here. There will be victory here. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor, God, right now in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy, oh God. You are worthy. You are worthy, oh God. You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise God. Isn't he good this morning? Hallelujah. Tell you love him. Tell him you love him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can go back to your seats now. Hallelujah. Now listen, as you're going back to your seats, I, I want to say a couple things. There's several things that I want to accomplish in today's service. And the first thing that I want to say to you is, I know, I get it. That's a little strange. It's like, why did we do that? Well, because I think that what God wants to do in this place is something supernatural. I believe he wants to do something in your life supernatural. And you never know, you never know the power of the supernatural really until you need it. Until when all of a sudden there is no answer to where all of a sudden there is no other option. And you're wondering what's going to happen and then all of a sudden God comes through for you. And I was thinking about the children of Israel when they went into the promised land. God told them the first city you're going to go to is Jericho. And then God gave them a strategy that was just kind of out of the workbook of weird. I'm, I'm going to admit it. I, you know, I have no problem saying that God does strange things. No doubt about it. He makes donkeys talk. He pays taxes by going fishing. Amen. Come on, there's just weird things in the Bible. And one of the things that he did is he wanted, he wanted the children of Israel to know his power. So he took them to the, to the most powerful city in all of the promised land. It was Jericho. Fortified walls. Huge walls. 50 feet tall. So big that people lived in the walls. And he takes them there and he says, all you're going to do is you're going to march around the wall. And you're going to walk around the wall one time every day. And what you're going to do is you're going to have ram's horns and you're going to have the priest blowing the horn while you're walking. But I don't want you to talk. Nobody talk, nobody say nothing. You just be quiet, listen to the horn. And they walked around it for six days, one time. And it's like, what's the point of this? Why, let's, let's, let's get rid of the middleman here, God, and why don't you just do a miracle? And I don't know why God does what he does, but he does. And so we need to be obedient. And then on the seventh day, he says, now what you're going to do is you're going to walk seven times around blowing the horn. And on the seventh time, you are going to give a really big shout. You're going to shout. And the Bible tells us the moment they begin to shout, the walls fell flat and they were able to run in and they took over the city and it was done. They had victory that day because they were obedient to the plan of God. Now, as I was looking around, there was some folks I was just kind of looking at you and I saw you and there's some folks just kind of looking at me like, really, Pastor? Really? Do we got to do this? And, and I'm going to say, yes, we do. And the reason why is not because I just want to do something silly and, you know, amp everybody up, but because we felt like this morning that God wanted to do something powerful. Now, the thing about it is you, you might go away and you might sit in your seat and you might go, I didn't feel nothing. Well, hang on, it's coming. 
Because sometimes we do stuff and it sows seed. Sometimes we do stuff and it waters the seed. And sometimes we do stuff and it harvests the seed. And so I'm not sure what God's all up to, but I know this, he's up to something. And I'm going to be a part of it. Amen. I, I, I got a lot to lose. How about you? God says, if you'll trust me, I'll protect everything. I'll protect you. I'll keep you. I'll guide you. I'll lead you. I will even give you more. You won't just survive it. You'll thrive through it. Amen. That's the plan of God. And so I want you to know that. It's not, this is not just us being silly or, you know, it's like, oh, well, God, we, we just got into a really wild church. No, the, 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 this, is, this is us touching heaven. So heaven can touch us. Amen. Thank you, those that minister music. We appreciate you today. And before we get into our message, everything's going to be relatively short today. So uh, I, I, I want to uh, share something with you. Um, that I, and I want to speak direct to this situation that we're in, the, 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 the circumstances that we're dealing with in our culture. And first of all, let me say this to you. There is no doubt that there are the purveyors of fear. There are no doubt that there are people that are speaking that. And... and for whatever reason they feel they need to do that, that's fine. But what we've got to make sure that we do is not take our cues from them. Now, there's also no doubt that there is real, real cause for concern. And that what we should do is we should walk in wisdom, shouldn't we? And we should make sure that, that in that wisdom that we're doing our due diligence to take care of the things that we can take care of. And we should do that. We, you know, it's funny. You see all the memes on Facebook, everybody talking about washing their hands and all of that. And it's one guy commented, he said, haven't you been washing your hands all along? So just all of a sudden now we just discovered that we need to wash our hands. It's, anyway. But the reality is, is we should take care of things. We should be uh, uh, um, aware of things that need to be taken care of. And we are. And I could tell you as a church, we're doing that. We're doing our due diligence and, uh, and stepping up our cleaning and all of those things. And so we're doing that. But also, what we're doing is we're coming against the fear. And so in light of that, what I want to do is I want to read you something. And I want you to listen to the words because this, there, I don't know that there's a better uh, uh, passage of Scripture than this, than to speak to the thing we're going through. And it's Psalm 91. And I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read the whole psalm. It's not long. It'll only take a minute or two. So just hang on with me. It says, He who dwells... And the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely, He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and listen, and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, Amen. nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Amen. 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 Only your eyes shall look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, now listen, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Amen. That's a promise, church. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. 
In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Church, that is a promise to you. That's a promise to you for this day. And we need to take that, we need to meditate on that, and we need to read that scripture often. And I challenge you to read that out loud. Often. There was a... a, a very popular and, and, and uh, very well-known pastor that uh, put out an email, and I thought that what he had to say, and he gave uh, like six different things that would inspire us to handle these days, and I, I just thought I would share them with you. And actually, he put out a challenge. He says, for the next 40 days uh, that we should do these things. Number one, remember that fear is a liar. Amen. If you're feeling fearful, you're being lied to. Okay? The thing that we, we do generally is we look into the past and we find evidence to make our present and our future make sense. And so that's how fear, fear works. And fear will lie to you. So we need to remember that. Number two, we need to get a new perspective. And so what that means is some of us have to change what we're looking at. You know, I know that there's a lot of information out there on Facebook and social media and, and the news and, and some of it's good, some of it's not. And so we need to be careful that we don't be purveyors of misinformation and bad information. And so what we need to do is we need to get a perspective. We need to look into the Word of God, and we need to look from God's perspective and realize that God gets the last word. Can you say amen? amen. The third thing is we need to be intentional with where we place our faith. We need to make a conscious choice to trust our future to Jesus. There are some things that are out of our hands, church. They're completely out of our hands. There's nothing we can do about it except trust him. And he says in his word, trust me with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge me in all your way, and I will direct your path. Amen. Number four, he says testify. What we need to do is tell one another stories of victory. Amen. We need to share often. I don't care how small or how big it is. I don't care. Just whatever. If something happened to you that was uh, something that you recognized that the Lord did something for you, share it. Testify. Talk about the goodness of God. Testify. The Bible says this, the testimonies of Jesus are as the spirit of prophecy. There's something powerful when we testify and give glory to God. Can you say amen? And then the, number five is we need to prophesy. You say, what, is, what do you mean by prophesy? You need to speak into it. Speak at your house. Speak at your family. Look at your family. This ain't coming near my house. How do you know? Because I got a promise in Psalm 91. I don't have to be afraid of the pestilence that comes in the night. It ain't coming near my house. Why is that? Because I, I have a promise. And therefore, I will speak. I will speak the promise to my situation. That's what prophecy is about. And then finally, meditate on Psalm 91. Take time to, to, to meditate on it. Mine out all that is in that psalm. And say, you know what, God, this is for me. This is for me. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. I want to finish up our series. Now, three weeks ago, we began what I thought was going to be a mini-series. 
Um, but God had other plans, to be honest with you. Um, it's so amazing to me how our Father in heaven works. It really is amazing to me. I, am, um, I used to be a person, uh, and not so long ago, that was uh, really tuned into coincidence. You know, it's kind of, well, that's a coincidence, a coincidence. And, you know, I, I never really gave much thought to the fact that there was something behind those coincidences. You know, I would often talk about, God, I'd love to see your hand. And he reminded me, you are seeing my hand. Those aren't coincidences. Those are, that's me moving. That's me moving. And, and so, you know, in this, uh, the, this sermon series, I thought this was going to be, this is what I thought. I thought this was going to be a little simple two-week uh, sermon series that would serve as kind of a filler between the two big sermon series. That, uh, you know, it's kind of like we got to pass some time. There's, you know, some time frames. We, and so I thought, I'm just going to do this one on hope a little bit. And little did I know that what God was doing was preparing us for this season. I didn't know it. Even the title that I came up with, now what you're seeing on the screen is you're seeing really the subtitle because the title to the sermon series is Hope in the Day of Trouble. <laughs> and I, I, when I wrote that down the, three weeks ago or four weeks ago when I started putting this, these messages together, I wrote that, I actually typed that out and I thought, man, I even called Andy. You know, because Andy oftentimes does a lot of graphics for me and, we, and sometimes I call him and I'll say, man, I need a better title. This isn't... And I called him up and, you know, and I said, hey, dude, I need to get a different title, you know, Hope from the Day of Trouble. Eh, it's, you know, it's kind of corny. It's a little this, a little that, whatever. I wanted something flashy, you know. And, and God says, no, Hope in the Day of Trouble. And Andy didn't have anything and nobody seemed to have anything. I even looked on the internet and trying to come up. I was going to steal it if I had to. And, you know, I was going to come up with something and God says, no hope in the day of trouble. And, and it was, you know, amazing that God knew. God knows. And, and so he began this thing. And this, this sermon series has served to be a little bit prophetic. And so what I want to do is I want to take a little bit of time. Like I said, we're going to get out of here pretty quick. So I want to go over a few things that we've looked at. And then I want to put the capstone on it. Now, no doubt you and I are all concerned about the current events. All you got to do is go to the grocery store. Now, I, I got to say this. Can I, can I just say this? I am not sure how humanity is prioritizing what we need. It's, <laughs> I'm not so sure why toilet paper became the issue. I, I just, I, I just, I just don't, I just don't. I'm, I, I, I can't figure it out, but that's okay. It's, it's, it's one of those things where God says, you just enjoy the comedy of it. And so it's like, okay, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, Pastor Alex said to me, he said to me uh, this morning in, uh, in, in the office before first service, he said, yeah, he says, we got on Amazon. I got a case of toilet paper coming. I said, really? I said, I was told they were out. He goes, no, they got a lot. He goes, they got warehouses full. So I got on Amazon. It's all sold out. They said, we don't know when we're going to get it back. So I don't know. Hey, you know, whatever. But it's funny how things happen. And no doubt we're concerned about this. But whether it's the threat of illness or whether it's chaos in financial difficulty, there is hope. Can you say amen? No, hang on, guys. Listen, listen to me. And this is very serious, so I want you to listen here. Okay? And so there is hope. One of the things that I think is very, very um, um, telling about Christians at times is that we are great fighters until it's time to fight. Amen. I'll let, that, I'll let that arrow fly. You take it for whatever it's worth. 
the reality is we serve a God of hope. Can you say amen? amen? And hope, the Bible tells us, is the anchor for our soul. Listen to Hebrews 6.19. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. This is amazing to me. The hope that you and I have is, is anchored in the presence of God. That's amazing. That is breathtaking. The very presence of God is what is, that's our hope. When he comes on the scene, everything changes. Every knee must bow. And every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. Thank God this morning that under every devastation, there is the seed of restoration. That under every tragedy, there is the seed of a new beginning. And, every, and in every day of trouble, there is the seed of hope ready to burst out in victory. Are you hearing that? Because we have such a wonderful hope, we cannot afford this morning to give up or to give in or to quit. There will be many that are tempted just to kind of pack it in, to to just kind of go with the flow, just to kind of go with the current of everything. I'm not going to go with the current. I'm going to resist the current. I'm going to go with what God says. I'm not going to give up. Why? Because I have a hope that anchors me in the presence of God. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The temptation in a season like this is to lose heart. We see things around us, we see what's going on, and it shakes us to our core, and we begin to wonder. Well, listen, God has our future in his hand. He has us squarely and completely in the place of blessing. Can you say amen? In Philippians chapter 1, verse 28, it puts it this way, and I love this out of the Amplified Version. It says, And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries, for such consistency or constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof, and seal to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation and that from God. Wow, we need to put that into our vocabulary. Can you say amen? You know, David was a man that faced lots of stuff and one time in scripture, he asked himself a very powerful question. In Psalm 42, he said this in verse five, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Here's David. There's no doubt he's struggling. There's some difficult things going on in David's life. And it's kind of bummed him out. It's, it's brought him to a place of, of despair. It's, he's discouraged. He's disquieted. He's cast down. And then he has this moment He has this wake-up call, this reminder that he says, you know what, wait a second. Put your hope in God. He asks himself, why are you bummed out, man? You have a God. You have a father. He delivered you of the bear, the lion, and Goliath. He's been with you all your life. He's anointed you king. Why are you bummed out? 
See, sometimes we have to preach to ourselves. Can you say amen? Sometimes what we need to do is look in the mirror and go, why, why are you letting this get to you? You have a God. You have, see, think about it this way. You know, one of the things I think that we struggle with is our faith. Because if we had someone in our life that was very, very, very wealthy, that could put us in a situation that could guarantee our health and guarantee provision through the crisis, and said, look, at nothing's going to befall you, we go, man, I'm golden. But do you understand that's exactly what you have? That's what you have. That's what we have in God. And what we need to do is we need to put our hope in him. Why? Because he is the God that sees. We talked about that last week. We talked about how that Hagar, she's a woman that's suffering some difficult things. And in Genesis chapter 16, 13, she has this encounter with God. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him? who sees me. In other words, she had a revelation of God that God was aware of her circumstances. He knew what she was going through. He knew what she was facing, and he had a plan for her. And I declare to you today that God has a plan in all of this. Can you say amen? Amen. I declare that God is at work, and he is doing things that you and I need to pay attention to. He is the God that sees. And so to put the capstone on this, I'm only going to take just a few minutes. We're almost done. I want to read you a story out of the Bible because this story really does speak to our situation. Now, admittedly, this story is very extreme. So I don't want you to take the extremity of the the story, and I want you to take that and go, well, that's not me. I want you to find yourself in this story. It's a familiar story. It's found in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. And I am going to take the time to read this. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him one out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, And the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of that man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, where there were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told in the city and in the country, told, uh, and told it in the city and the country. And they went out to see what, what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had a legion sit, sitting clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Here is this awesome story. Now, this story is about this man this man that really all the only identity we have of him is he's the demoniac of Gadarene. And this is a man that's got some issues. 
A lot of them. Amen. And this is a man that has uh, really found a very difficult place in life. He's being controlled by demonic influence. He's demon-possessed. The Bible tells us that those around him, the world around him, attempted to help him. But all they could do, the best they could come up with, was to chain him up, to shackle him. But it didn't work. And the reason it didn't work is because he broke it. He, he, he tore the shackles apart. And isn't that a lot like the world? The world will come and offer you solutions, but often you will find that those solutions end up becoming just as much a bondage as what you're dealing with. And they don't hold you. We break through them and we get through it all and, and, and it, we're, just, we're no better. And this man's problems, they drove him to a place of death. He hung out in the tombs. He cut himself. He was bent on self-destruction. He howled at the moon and he ran naked. He was a wild man. He was demon-possessed. But then there came a day there came a day when Jesus came to the place he was. He, Jesus shows up. Now, we don't know if Jesus knew what he was going to encounter there. He may have. But, some, but, but somewhere along the line, Jesus comes to the, to the beach there. He's on the Sea of Galilee. They've come across, and he lands there. And this demoniac in a, in a, in, in a faraway place, he sees Jesus. And the Bible tells us that he runs to Jesus, and he worships, worships him. And in a moment of time, Jesus deals with the problem, and this man is completely and totally delivered. He's seated, clothed, and in his right mind. What the world could not do, Jesus did in a matter of moments. And I declare to you today that what we need more than anything else in life is a moment, an encounter with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying there's anyone here that's demon-possessed. I'm not saying that we have even an inkling of what this man's going through. But I guarantee you today, there are people in this place that have issues. And now we have a society that is weighing on us. We have society that now there are situations beyond our control. We need an encounter with Jesus. Can you say Amen. Now, I don't know, I don't know what this man knew, but there was, a, there was something that took place in this man's life that is kind of the secret to this whole thing. And many times when we read this passion of script, this, this portion of scripture, we, we overlook it. And we gotta ask ourselves, what is the secret? What is the catalyst for this man having an encounter with Jesus? And I want you to listen to this. And I'm very deadly serious about this. The Bible tells us the man saw Jesus and ran to him and worshiped. See, there was something inside of this man that was still left. It was, there was a part of him that was still him. There was a part of him that God said, look it, if you want to come to me, there's not a demon in hell that can keep you from me. And if you decide you want to come to me, I'll be available to you. The problem is, church, oftentimes we allow our issues to tell us that we can't go to him. And so what we do is we wait for him. And there are times and seasons of life where we need to wait. But I can tell you more often than not, we need to run to him and worship. This is the, this is the catalyst. This act, 
This, this man running to Jesus and falling down and worshiping was not the devil. You gotta ask yourself, who motivated this? Because there's not a demon in hell that's gonna run to Jesus. They were afraid. There are some commentators would like you to believe that they ran down there because they had to pay homage to Jesus. But look, at they're in rebellion. They're not gonna pay homage to Jesus. They're gonna run the other way. They don't want nothing to do with Jesus because they even told, them, told him when they got there, don't, please, don't torment us. In fact, if, you know, please, they knew that Jesus had the power to send them into outer darkness. Boom. They said, leave us here. Don't torment us. Let us stay in the area. Now, you could debate all of that going on there. I don't know all, of, I don't understand the spiritual dynamics going on. It's way above my pay grade. But I do understand this. It was an act of that man's will. It was not a demonic issue. That man ran to Jesus. And I declare to you, Christian, that what you're going to need to do is run to Jesus. Your hope lies in the fact that nothing can prevent you from running to Jesus except you. You could talk yourself out of it. You could tell yourself, I'm not going to get anything when I get there. Uh, you could tell yourself that, you know, what, other what are other people going to think? I'm thinking at this point with this guy cutting himself, howling at the moon, running naked in a graveyard, embarrassment had been not an issue anymore. See, there comes a time when, when you are so desperately in need of Jesus, you don't care what other people think. You will come running and you will fall on your knees and you will say, oh God, deliver me. I need you. I need to have an encounter. But church, we don't have to wait to that point. We can have those encounters every day in our lives, small encounters, encounters that will change our lives forever. We can walk in relationship with him that is based in encounter. It is based in this ongoing relationship where the Holy Father, the Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit are working in our lives and we are seeing and experiencing his power, his grace, his goodness, his kindness, his favor on a regular basis. We have, to, we, we have to understand that. But church, if we get stuck in believing that somehow we've got to wait, we may miss it. There was a time when the disciples were in the boat in the storm. Jesus had been praying up on the mountain. It was late at night. It was probably about three in the morning. And the Bible says that Jesus came walking on the water. And the Bible says, had they not cried out to him, he would have passed them by. I wonder today what would have happened had they not cried out. They cried out to him and he answered, he responded and they said, is that you? And he said, it is me. And then Peter says, if it's really you, then bid me to come to you. And Peter that day learned how to walk on the water. He didn't walk far, but he worked, walked a lot further than I ever had. but he had to cry out to God. See, church, sometimes we get, and it's easy, and let, let, me, let me say this. I don't, I don't say this, and we're ending now. I don't say this as, as, as condemnation. I say this to encourage you, to challenge you, because I've been where you are. I've been church all my life. I cannot remember a time in my life where church was not a part of my family. I got saved when I was seven, and I remember going to church. My parents were saved before that. And I remember going to church. I had some of my earliest recollections. I remember when I was three years old, my aunt, her, her, my mom's sister, her name was Erlene. And Erlene was a big woman. And when she's holding my hand and they raised chickens and they had roosters. 
And this one rooster, this one particular one, he would jump on your back. If, when you, if you turned your back to him, he'd jump on your back and he'd claw you and peck at you and all that. And one day my aunt and I walked out to the, to the barn to see the horses and the, and the rooster was out. <laughs> I'm three years old. And my aunt is going, come on now. My aunt Earlene, she's a big woman. She can't run real fast. And I was only three, so I'm not running real fast. And so the rooster's coming. He's coming at us. We can hear him. And my aunt's going, come on, John, let's run, let's run. And I stopped, jerked my hand, and I turned around. And I, it's, this is more me hearing the story than memory. But I turned around, and I pointed at that rooster. I said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And it stopped. Now, I could sit back and I could go, you know what, look at me, all of that. I say all of that as just, you know, I've been in church. I've been there, done that. And there are times when, you know what, I don't want to get up. Oh, my gosh, pastor's going to make us go stand. I actually, I actually went, I've been standing all day today because I've been doing all the stuff. And I actually left during the first service, during the first song, and went into the office just to sit down for a minute. Cindy looked at me, she said, what are you doing? I said, I got to sit. I got to sit. I went hiking on Friday. Did, did I go hiking? Was it hiking? Give me, give me glove, baby. Was it hiking? It was hiking. We walked, a, we walked a mile in the desert. Come on. Yeah, come on. Praise God. Didn't even have to use the inhaler. Thank God. My point is this. My point is this. I understand. I understand that sometimes, like, I just, man, I, I've read the Bible. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've gone to church. I've done all that. I'm tired. Just, God, please do something. And God says, it's this time right now. This is when you got to get up. See, it was in the crisis that they called out to Jesus. The, the demoniac, he's, he's fairly deep into crisis. And when we cry out to him, he will not disappoint. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you're a God that loves us. We thank you for all that you're doing. Father, we don't understand all that's happening in the world around us and just all the different things, and we're not even sure what you're up to, but we know that we can trust you. We know that we can put our hope in you because our hope is rooted in your presence. And Father, I pray, God, that you would give us the resolve and the strength to not give up but to go forward. And Father, that even though in the moment we may feel weak and we may feel tired and we may feel discouraged, that we would look into the mirror and say, why are you downcast, hope in God? And Father, that we would step up and we would come to you, that we would run to you and worship, that we would worship you. God, because in that moment, more can be done to save and to set free and to heal and to deliver than any other moment. And Father, I pray for every person in this room today. I pray for every person that's listening, God, online. I pray, God, that they would have an encounter with you, Jesus. That they would know you, that they would walk in you. That they would have this moment where you change everything in Jesus' name. And as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you'd love to give your life to Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand, lift it up all across this place. Anyone that needs Jesus, anyone, anyone. Praise God, thank you, I see that hand. Someone else, amen, you can put it down. Someone else, you need Jesus in your life. 
Well, I want you all to pray this prayer and folks at home pray this with us. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins, to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man, if you prayed that prayer, it's the greatest thing you've ever done. Expect God to do great things in your life. Can you say amen? Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.